Welcome to Cannon Fodder, a behind-the-scenes look at the Glass Cannon Podcast. Welcome back to Cannon Fodder, everybody. My name's Joe O'Brien. And I'm Troy. Get this equipment out of my apartment, LaValley! <laughs> Get it out! We are never coming back! <laughs> never, ever again. Except maybe your Christmas party. That is the only time I will ever set foot in this apartment again. You guys are allowed in my apartment, but I don't want nope. any mixing boards and wires. By, by you guys, he of course means the whole crew is joining us oh, yeah. today. Yeah, this yeah. this very special cannon fodder to kick off book four needed to have the whole crew getting together to talk about not only the the end of an era with Minderhall's Valley, but the end of an era of recording in random apartments. Like peasants. Yeah. <laughs> like a bunch of peasants. Uh, we Thanks. are, as Troy mentioned in the episode, we're moving on to a new studio, so we'll talk a little bit about that. We'll talk about the role play that went on in this episode, some of the item discussions so that we fun. had. Yeah, just, just a fun more relaxing, new kind of episode compared to what we've been doing for weeks and weeks on end. Just all, all these combats. Yeah, months. It, it feels like all these combats uh, in a row. And then, of course, we're going to have listener mail. But we got everybody here. So so let's toss it around the room a little bit. Grant, what are you most excited about with moving to a recording space? I am most excited that we're all going to be on the same equipment. Uh, we won't. Same microphones. Well, we, we've been all this time on different microphones, yep. each one of us. Well, Troy's still going to be on a wireless for the time being. He might change that, but it's still going to be great for upcoming video content. Mm. Yeah, baby. Because uh, you don't want a big old mic in your face, because that's Troy's moneymaker. We all know that. <laughs> that's uh, what I got. The mic or the, or the face? <laughs> yeah, the face, the face, the face. Look <laughs> at his beautiful face. Um, so, yeah, no, that'll be great. Um, and I think it'll just be wonderful to... To have a space with some sound dampening built in mm, you know we, we, we we've had issues where we've recorded in certain places where there's been like an echo and i think all that should be on the wayside the ice cream man it's all gone <laughs> no more ice cream man. Uh, skid what are you most looking forward to in the new space i well you mentioned a uh, video content one of our ideas and i don't know how long it's going to take for us to implement this uh or hopefully we're able to do it is we want to put mount an overhead camera yeah. like in the space so that we can do overhead shots of like tabletop games and we yep. can do like you know either twitch or like youtube whatever like plays of like different kinds of board games i want to play like you know pandemic like twilight imperium like all these stuff that we want to play that to be able to share like uh, visually that'll be really cool yeah it's a matter of yeah. money and time and focus but the space will allow for it we can right. finally mount cameras somewhere we can't do that in our living rooms no that's not an option but, yeah. but this is an option it's not gonna happen overnight but it, it, it's exciting to have that proposition to be able to twitch live board games and have multiple camera angles it's so exciting, Matthew. And have a, okay. sorry, I just have like a green screen and stuff too. We're gonna be oh, yeah. some stuff with that. And yeah, you know, yeah. Sorry, Matthew, your favorite uh, thing that you're most excited about with the new space? Um, take your time, Matthew. <laughs> <laughs> Apparently, <laughs> Matthew likes recording <laughs> apartments. <laughs> I, just, I like Christ. having, I like I'm having not the excited. cats around. <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm very excited. I'm, I am. I am too very excited to be on the same equipment. We're the. <laughs> The setup with uh, our microphones right now, we kind of have to look around our microphones to see each other. Yeah, yeah. 
So I'm always like kind of rec- like looking at somebody's side eye the whole yeah, we're time. Actually, behind this decorative tree. I'm sitting behind a, a fern. <laughs> we're basically different rooms. Yeah. I haven't seen Matthew in two months. Yeah. <laughs> You're all looking me in the eyes. <laughs> Troy, what are you looking forward to? I'm excited just about – I've always wanted an office space, and that's what it feels like. I always thought like – Because he's never had a real job. I've never had a real job. <laughs> I mean, so, like Larry David, why does he have an office? He goes to an office every day. I like that idea. I like the idea that I can go to work. I can go there to edit. I can go there and just sit down and start playing. I can go there and draw To maps, prep. Yeah. To prep. And that, you know, to, to kind of piggyback on what Skid was saying is to turn this – space into a multimedia uh you know powerhouse you know where we can really do a lot of different things where we can twitch from there where we can stream uh pathfinder from there we can stream other role-playing games to really like you know take to to do what we've always said we want to do is take this business to the next level take this uh you know this entertainment thing that we're trying to enterprise yeah this enterprise to to the next level and, and and create a lot more um Content. Content, thank you. And varied kinds of content. Yes. Yeah. And that leads me to what is one of my favorite things. Sure, is what are you most excited about? I'm most excited about not setting up and breaking down that is every huge. time we record. Yeah. Yeah. So, so much time yeah. every time. Or schlepping stuff over from and one place to the other. Yeah. Carrying but, but like, things over. And... You know, the time that we spend like setting up and breaking down every time, we could re- record an entire episode. Oh, oh 100%. To set up and, and that's down. why I'm saying it, it goes hand in hand. I'm spending so much time running, wiring every single time that we record and then breaking it all down, cleaning it all up, that that time is going to be used for more episodes, other episodes, another podcast. Getting more uh, people on cannon fodder. Yeah, you know? exactly. Like it, All of those things are going to help to use our time more efficiently. Mm-hmm. And it's just going to be nice to not – also the audio sound checks. Not that we don't have to check, but the ability to just come in and have – the level's all set and the, you know nothing changed right. from last time. You know Joe is always on channel three. Yeah, Matthew's the always same on two. mics. It's good yeah. to go. Yeah, so I, that I am really, uh, really excited for. And then what, a little bit of what Troy said, which is the alternatives to just recording this show in that space. The other things that we'll be able to do there, it'll be a place that we can store inventory because there, I mean, I have an apartment filled with bottle caps. You know what I mean? Have you like, seen my hallway? There are <laughs> yeah. nine boxes of t-shirts out there. <laughs> nine! And that is you a fire hazard. Right now. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it is. My landlord is starting to ask questions. <laughs> are you running an illegal sweatshop out of this apartment? <laughs> are you running an illegal business out of your apartment? Yes, and I've been doing it for months. <laughs> and uh, we said it in the episode, but we have to say it again. It's all because of you guys. Yeah. yeah. We have to yeah. thank all of our Patreon donors so much. Your guys' support has given Huge. us the ability to do Huge. this. and. It's just really, it's it's really exciting to be able to do so. Anyway, I'm moving sure you on guys to that know too. what real estate costs in New York, so your donations go a long, long way. Yeah, yeah. and this is why it took so long to get it together. Yeah. It is very expensive here to be able to because you don't just pay monthly rent. It's all the stuff that you have to do ahead of time, yeah. all the payments that you have to put up front for broker's fees, first and last month, security deposits. Like it adds up big time. It Insurance. Also- it yeah, took- and so we have a $2 million commercial insurance policy. Yeah. Right. Burn it down. So that when we have Ari in and then he slips on his way to the mini fridge, we can pay his hospital bills. Right. <laughs> but this it was is also, mandatory. It took so long to find, it was hard to find the place that just met all of our needs. Yeah, too. it's like, true, it too. Just, it took so, it was hard to like find something that's affordable that... 
Has air conditioning. Air, has is a commercial space. Like, we can't just re- rent a residential space. We needed to find a commercial lease. This is all, you know, uh, brand new territory for us. Yeah, and, it's been uh, months in the search. I mean, we had a great space. Huge. We loved oh, it. Oh, we loved we, it. You, you, we, there was our kitchen in there, bathroom. You could have slept in that place. It was a shower. It, it was a shower. Skid might have moved in. <laughs> I probably would have moved in. And it was... Directly under the L train. Yeah, <laughs> it was like this isn't a good space for a podcast. Right. It's yeah. just, it's just. If, I was like, we'll go to the space and just time it to see how bad it would be in the evening for the train frequency. Well, it's New York City, so the trains were every four. It was every four minutes, and then like six minutes. It was like four minutes, six minutes, four minutes, six minutes. Yeah. Train. So I was like, we can't do it. We just, we simply couldn't do it. The mm-hmm. fact that I can bike to our new studio in about six and a half minutes is a joyous. Joyous thing. Yeah. yeah. Whereas before, you had to just roll out of bed. <laughs> it was too much, Matthew. He had, he had, Matthew, in all fairness, he did had, have to move a recliner. That's oh, true. God. Oh, man. Not to mention open the leaves on this table. <laughs> oh, man. So let's get into the episode. You nah. Cross, let, like CrossFit's for something. Let's, <laughs> let's talk about uh, this episode. I guess from more from a... Um, just from a, a general standpoint, it has a different feel. Everything has a different feel now with Nestor and Delagon, with the end of a chapter that was – and, and Amlo uh, – with a chapter that ends with such intensity and in combat over such a long period of time. Skid, I'm just going to ask you to start. Obviously, you had all this stuff planned with Nestor. It was very exciting to see all of that come to fruition. I mean, for all of us, and I imagine even more so for you, my question is – do you feel? Did you feel a tension and an intensity that was difficult to uh, that made the episodes difficult to record as of late? That was eased off a little bit now. Yeah, because I was just so so worried about. I wanted this thing to play out so perfectly. I've been planning for so long, and so now that it it played out better, thanks to like some of what, some stuff that Troy like was able to like come up with. It played out even better than I could have possibly imagined it, and so now it's like I feel like I have these. I don't. I don't have to focus on like that an end goal like that. I can just like take the story as it comes, and so yeah, it's nice. It's it's uh, it's nice. You know, and just following up on what Skid said, it's a reminder that sometimes when things don't work out the way you plan, both as a GM and a, as a player, and as a player, you have to always remember in this game that there is something even better just around the corner. I, I, Grant, the role playing in which you got your bottle cap in this past episode is a perfect example of that. Like, it's tragic that Umlo died. It's tragic that Della died. But y- you memorializing them in by naming your guns in such a in such a very uh, poignant way the two-barreled pistol two sides of Della's nature caught between two worlds like it 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 pays homage to them and it it makes their deaths at least worth something in the grand scheme of the story so like even though things didn't work out the way Skid originally planned we came up with something even better and I think it should be a, a sobering reminder to people who play this game that like you can plan something whether you're running the game or playing in the game and if it doesn't work out don't worry, something even better is right around the corner. I would also say that the, the communication there is, is important as well. If you as a player have some sort of end goal in mind that you want to get to for your character, you can't keep that secret from the GM. And if it doesn't work out, you can't shut off the GM. If you keep the GM posted on, well, that didn't work out for me and I'm frustrated about it, you never know what GM can come up with something like right. you did to rectify that situation. Well, I thought, Troy, you were actually going to say, remember, magic exists in this world, which is a great workaround <laughs> for a lot of story things. But 
Um, the other thing I was saying is it, it also reminds me of like uh, Rasmataz, which is it was difficult to see him go, but um, honestly, it frees up more inventory for you to do other things and and yeah. come up with new characters, come up with and, a new fan favorite. And uh, Rasmataz is. Brother? <laughs> Jasmine. Jasmine. <laughs> well, it's the same reason, not to get too in the weeds, why I think uh, that Catholic priests should be able to marry because I don't think love is a finite resource. I think it is limitless. And if you love someone else in addition to Jesus Christ, you can continue to be a priest. Uh, I think that creativity is limitless as well. You can cut all this out because that's uh, kind of weird. Colin. <laughs> Colin, I was going to say, let's, uh, you know, it's so funny. Grant, our listener mail was about the Catholic Church's policy on marriage. Yeah, oh, yeah. There was a weird oh, their new, clergy. I'm on the subreddit right now. I was waiting patiently for a new uh, post. <laughs> <laughs> I was hoping we get to doctrine at some point. I'm glad it's uh, so early. <laughs> Well, getting back to the episode, there's a lot of strategic talk about what we're going to do with this, with our weapons and armor and stuff, how it's going to get spread around, what we're going to resize, all that kind of stuff as we move forward in the adventure. Obviously, we're not looking at an imminent combat. We think we're going to have some time to put this together. Maybe we can purchase some things uh, when we get to Yanderhof and really get to it in, in next episode. But I wanted to just kind of kick over to Matthew for a second because I feel like Matthew has a really good sense of strategy and uh, mechanics when it comes to combat. Gameplay comes up with a lot of interesting ideas. Where we're at right now in the story as we kind of continue on, Matthew, looking forward, do you have concerns or worries about this party as it's built right now uh, with the levels and the classes and all that kind of stuff? And if so, what are those concerns and, and, and how could they be addressed? I feel like you're leading me to say we don't have a cleric. So I'll just get that out of the way first. <laughs> well, we, yeah, we definitely need a cleric. <laughs> um, I'm, I'm, I'm kind of – I'm excited to see what happens. I mean we have – we uh, I'm, I'm just scratching the surface of the druid pe- spell list. I've been reading it assiduously. Um <laughs> But I, I'm excited to do all like the battlefield control stuff. We go back to buffing and debuffing. Really need that. Um, yeah, that'll be nice to have again. And then like to actually, I've never seen a like a, I've never seen a wizard progress. I've seen low level wizards from Troy played his in the uh, PFS, mm-hmm. um, and then I've seen. And what level did you take that wizard to? I took before uh, we stopped Gideon Knox, my oh, Gideon Knox. wizard, right? One of my favorites. Uh, I think he got up to fourth. Tops, yeah, fourth, um, yeah. But to have Pembroke be, uh, you know, eighth on his way to ninth is very exciting. I mean, when when wizards get past tenth, yeah. they're demigods. It's cool. <laughs> it's it's cool. Yeah, I know from being so frustrated by one in our runes <laughs> campaign as a GM. But uh, I, I, I do hope that he survives long enough for me to get into some of that real cool stuff. I mean, two core classes. Yeah. I- a druid and a wizard. Yeah, I mean, and half a paladin. It's not half a paladin. Apart from the and, a qu- and three quarters of a ranger. He's <laughs> <laughs> just two feet short. And a, just two feet and a short. cursed ranger. You are enormous feet he had. If that's uh, only three quarters. <laughs> but uh, but yeah, it's apart from the level difference. It's a pretty solid, kind of standard party. Like it's not that different. Two casters to, uh, arranged arranged in a uh, a melee fight. Yeah. A tank in a melee. I yeah, yeah, the podcaster. I, I mean, it's I not traditional, but if you look at it the right way, it's kind of very traditional. Let's yeah. assume for a second that Lork gets his feet back. Okay, so if Lork has his feet, it's a grand assumption. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but I'm just saying, looking at the party in in that sense, what is what is Lork there? I mean, he's a he's a support damage dealer at best, right? He's not going to be able to deal out damage 
like Baron or like Nestor. No. Well, it's only because he's under leveled. If, if, if Lork and because lives, Joe is rolling the dice, right? And yeah. Because you're the one controlling him. But I mean, if Lork lives long enough, he has to take a more active stance in combat because there's no one else that can. Yeah. I mean, look at it this way too. Lork's also really good at telling his animal companions to stay. <laughs> yeah. So that helps true. a ton. Without Lork, they're running all over the place. They're running amok. <laughs> but he, you it's know, Lork, some honor in this universe. <laughs> but uh, you know, he's a he's a switch hitter. You know, he would provide some versatility. He's a bench player. Yeah. Yeah, he's yeah. a perfect. He's, he's like a utility. A, he's a utility yeah, guy. He's I, like uh, David Eckstein or something. I thought a lot about this <laughs> about how I wanted to do it. I mean, obviously, when I came up for the with the idea for episode one hundred, I I didn't know how it would all play out. By the time we got to episode one thirty two, when there were tons of deaths, and it's now time to move on. And you know, obviously, I can do whatever I want. I can be like, all right, nah, you're all tenth level, you know. But I I just I this is something that I've always been interested in is a multi level. Part, adventuring party because when I played as a kid we used to go to this little pizza parlor it was me and like two of my buddies and we were teenagers and we'd go in there and it was a bunch of grognards in their 30s and they would all sit there with their greasy pizza hands and in this little hobby shop and the guy who owned the shop had every single <laughs> was it a hobby shop or a pizza place <laughs> the pizza place was across the street it was West Newbury Massachusetts home of John Cena oh, uh, and Newbury Comics and Newbury Comics and, oh, yeah. and this guy had every single miniature possible and the whole in the pizza shop in <laughs> should I start Very the story over? <laughs> the pizza shop was across the street so they had they, were, they got their pizza hands you would get your pizza at the pizza shop and then you'd walk to the hobby shop so, Who's these, on so first? these guys in the pizza place had miniatures all over their hands yes basically you could order a large pizza and the toppings the were miniature all right all right <laughs> <laughs> Ruining a good story. Let me get a large cheese with extra dragon. <laughs> no wonder you moved away from Massachusetts. It's a terrible place. I love the Ralph Path is special. <laughs> this guy's like, I got a great idea for a store. Imagine a hobby shop and a pizza shop. I'm sure it exists. Uh, well, anyways, we, we would show up and we were the young ones there. Everybody else was like really like old school gamers, way more advanced than us. And you would just show up with your character. And it was there was no Pathfinder Society back then. Mm-hmm. It was all the honor system. So if I just had my second level cleric for my home games, but some other guy plays a million games a week and had a 10th level wizard, I was part of that group. You paid five bucks to sit at the table. Everybody had their little snacks. And the table pizza. was as mostly pizza and soda. <laughs> uh, the table was as big as this room we're in right now, and it was just graph paper. And the guy would just draw. And it wasn't like five foot steps or something. You'd be like, I'd like to move up close. And he would tell you how far you could move. <coughs> And we would play a, a second-level guy next to a tenth-level guy. So that, to me, is one of my greatest memories of the game, and it's something I've always wanted to experiment with. When you started your curse campaign, Joe, I love that you came up with this rule that if you die, I don't care when you die, you come back at first level. I thought that was great, even though it's like brutal until you catch back up. There's some disparity now. I don't think it's insurmountable. But characters may die. Whatever. Whatever. Della yeah. just died, and I thought Peraza... I, I was so excited to hear every word out of Faraz's mouth in episode 132. Yeah. <laughs> you know, it just goes to show you that yeah, nothing what, bad can happen in this game. Yeah, when nothing. I say whatever, I don't mean like, oh, it's no loss. I just mean what we gain in the replacement so far in this, in this game with this group 
has been nothing but spectacular yeah. It, yeah. to me. There's been no downfall due to any character loss, in my opinion. No, not yet. But I do think that is something that we that may be an issue if we end up like Perseus's ship. You know, the old uh, the philosophical question. The Argo? Yeah. Like, if, we, if you replace every part of a ship along the journey, like, when it reaches the end of its journey, like, every part of it has been replaced, is it the same ship? Like, I think we need to, we need to have... There's, I think... We just have to have continuity, even though we're like switching all these parts out. You know what I mean? Yeah, no, I, I don't disagree. Yeah, <laughs> but Troy will just never. I think it's like a Jason ship, by the way. <laughs> Basically, a Baron. No, it's, dies. It was, it's Percy's ship. Different Percy. Yeah, yeah. yeah, Baron, you are the mast of this ship. If Baron goes down, Ooh, boy. that's going to be tough. Well, but it could happen, man. It could happen. No, I mean it's it's. Um, well, I don't want to wax too philosophical, but uh, Theseus, by the way. Yeah, you're right. You're, you're right. I was just about to look it up. Uh, Sorry. <laughs> Nerds. No, it could always happen. But uh, <laughs> but at that point, Baron's going to be on his jet ski anyway, and that's going to be great. Um, right, right. I don't know. I think Baron's falling more and more into the idea of uh, underneath Torag's rule of being part of a greater plan. Yeah, well, that's, that's good. And that leads me to another question I had. I felt personally that... You seemed, the Baron seemed a little kind of too okay, it's for the greater good, uh, about Umlo's death. Can you give me a peek into Baron's mind on that, his justification for that point of view, for not being maybe more angry at Nestor or more furious at the loss of Umlo, a fellow dwarf? Well, I think, uh, as I said in the episode, it was being cruel to be kind, even if he didn't mean it. I think that uh, he belonged in... The halls of Torag at the end of his life, alongside his sister Ingerhild. He offered him a gun to take his own life, like, like the day before. <laughs> so it's true. That's I, true. I, um, again, I'm breaking with Catholic doctrine and and, <laughs> and supporting suicide. Twice, twice it's come twice up. Twice in one episode. Cut the um, mic. The mic. But uh, <laughs> no, but um, so Baron simply knows that. Um, he wouldn't even chase after Nestor if he had given the chance. If if their paths cross one day, that's fine. But that's petty revenge, um, simply for revenge sake. Whereas the I mean, you stakes... want you might want to get the hand back, but I think the risks of getting it back would outweigh yeah. the quest that we that's really important that we're on. The quest is the most important thing, and the quest uh, oversees the lives of millions of people. And of course, I'm. I'm sad that Umlo had to die, but uh, I also disagreed with with Sir Will's assertion that he was innocent to begin with. I don't think he's innocent. He's an active combatant at this point. He's killed, and he's done killed things to to support uh, his own ideology. Uh, I think. Yeah, but the hand kind of did it to him. I mean, the hand made him such a crazy killer, and you guys he, made him take the hand. He didn't like it. He didn't like it. I don't think we made him take the hand. I think he still took the hand willingly. I mean, he's Actually, complicit. Was, you were in control. Troy. I didn't want to do it. I wanted him to go back to Yanderhof. He'd still be alive and work for you guys. <laughs> You'd be seeing him now. We'd be running into him right, right now. You'd be like, hey, Umlo! What the hell <laughs> hey, hey, come into my new restaurant. Yeah. Hey. He's like, I'm making an omelet. Welcome your to Umlo. With your pizza <laughs> and hobby. my dream to open up a little... Right. <laughs> a, a pizza and lead miniatures store. <laughs> <laughs> Finally, a pizza hobby shop in the middle of Yanderhof. <laughs> Umlo's place. <laughs> Speaking of Yanderhof, can I say one thing I'm so excited for? It's called I'm Umlo. Better outside. Can I tell you one thing I'm super excited for in Yanderhof? Skid knows exactly what I'm excited for. Oh, yeah. Uh, In our Rune Lords game, (laughs) 
I don't know how it came up. It came out during gameplay somehow, but we decided that Yanderhof is like the Paris of the dwarfen nations. <laughs> and so they're super snooty and they all have French accents. <laughs> <laughs> and that's canon. It's canon. That's canon. <laughs> I, I remember where I guessed so, it. I, was, I expected all the dwarves to be Scottish and all of a sudden they had French accents. Yeah, and I was like, we did explain what's it. going on? Yeah. <laughs> They migrated. Welcome to Yanderhof. Would you like some fresh cheese? <laughs> Skid played like a really incredulous dwarven waiter that like was trying to be charmed at one point by one of our, our characters who was used to charming everybody. like, whatever do you mean? Of course I would not do that. <laughs> it was incredible. <laughs> we had some, that was one of our funniest sessions was that first Yanderhof session. Was Bar- really Baron, let me ask you, do you, do you feel like Brander's message to you has sunk in. I've given you, I'm giving you the gift of knowledge, not the gift of life. Regardless about how you feel about X, Y, and Z, has that message hit home? He looked right at you. If you're going to be a leader of men, you must know this. And now, having seen how it all played out, having Pembroke realize, oh, that was a temporary resurrection spell. This was all a big farce. Oh, did he say anything after you must know this, or that was it? I don't know. I have to listen back to it. Yeah, so do I. Um, no, I think what he's learned is that um, outside of his immediate actions and what he can lay his hands on, um, Baron is ultimately powerless. Outside of what he can lay his gun on and, and, and gather other people around to join his cause... There's just, it's too big of a world yeah. to be able to be in control of everything. That's why physics problems are always with like, consider zero friction, which is impossible in the real world, or consider absolute zero in order to get to a clean calculation. And those um, type of variables can never be controlled in a way. So I think he's learned, A, the, the truth of it is that Nestor, even though he trusted him, however briefly, um, was a was a murderer and a killer as he had initially assessed. Um, he realized that in order to be a leader, um, I mean, I, f- I feel like Barron's been on that track for a while though. I is think it's... Pope Innocent the first said it best when. Uh... <laughs> you know, is it safe? I don't want to go against Catholic doctrine or anything, <laughs> but is it safe to say that your Lorks and your Sir Wills and your Barons will not take in evil? characters anymore I, I didn't even think about this until you just started talking uh grant that like nestor in a way was the demon's blood of the group for della mm. it was by any means necessary and that was a big point of contention between della and sir will using the demon's blood not using the demon's blood using nestor just like jagrin said is a weapon choosing to use nestor was choosing to use demon's blood in many mm-hmm. ways yeah you know paladin's aren't supposed to travel with evil companions and fight beside them. Mm-hmm. That'll never happen again under Sir Will's watch. Baron, are you going to allow an evil companion in your group? I think Baron, honestly, and this isn't like this isn't supposed to be a compliment or anything to how, how he works, but I think he works most in shades of gray out of anyone in the party. Mm-hmm. And, uh, what it's I was, weird for an Inquisitor to, for that to be true. Well, yeah. The Inquisitor I, is pretty <laughs> much... And a sheriff. You have a pretty yeah. clear cut view on things well no i mean uh, and a sheriff (laughs) but there are there are um there's a fine line uh, there's a razor's edge upon which we dance uh in order to to get things done without losing sight of ourselves which is what he really meant with the guns thing 
Not right. going to get yourself out of this with poetry, Grant. <laughs> well, Answer no. the questions. Speaking of which. Your flowery words do not give you truth. When, when, when Sir Will said, uh, we'll never let another evil person in this party again, uh, the line that popped in my head is from a Joanna Newsom song, which is, never get so attached to a poem that you forget truth that lacks lyricism. Which simply means um, never to get so attached to your own guiding principles that you cancel out an opportunity to the the lives of the many outweigh the few. I feel like is kind of a guiding principle for Baron right now. Thanks, William Jennings Bryan. <laughs> well, speaking of, of that, I think I would like to to kick it over. I mean, obviously, we have. Uh, a lot of role playing still to unfold in the start of this book as we get into Yanderhof and are able to insert ourselves and our characters back into society again and interact with uh, people of other races and cultures and and everything and then also get to get some alone time to get to separate as characters and and find out you know more about ourselves before we move on to the next level and obviously buy some shit. yeah and <laughs> just straight up buy some shit which we'll all uh, save for air so let's move supermarket on supermarket sweep <laughs> Yanderhof edition let's move on right Yanderhof edition <laughs> to a little Yanderhof edition <laughs> listener <now. laughs> so i want to before we transition to the actual question for this week i want to go into a listener mail comment which we got on cannon fodder uh, 76 which came in after we talked about uh the question from a listener about should his 13th level paladin continue down this route of basically if he continues role-playing the way he thinks the character would because of his frustrations with watching so many allies die and just killing everything that's evil without giving it any chance for redemption, that would mean losing his powers. We talked about that for a little while, and we got a terrific email response from a friend of the podcast, Rob Grimash. Hey! Hey! Hey. Party Baron! Party Party Baron! Baron. He's the guy, we met him at... uh... At PAX, PAX unplugged, Unplug, yeah. and Grant said, like, he looks exactly like Party Baron does in our <laughs> Sims 4 playthrough. And he does. If you see a picture of a guy that looks exactly... And he's a big man. Spurs fan. Rob Gamash, come on, you Spurs. San Antonio Spurs. Come no, on, you Spurs. No, Good for them. No. No. Big Get out of here, David Robinson fan. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> so, so Rob wrote in, and he said, uh, in response to... Uh, honestly, he's like, kick this over to, that, to, to the person who wrote the question in. He said, have you considered a paladin archetype called the Vindictive Bastard? Ooh. He said, now, we had talked about, uh, for a minute, we had talked about the um, the gray paladin, right? And he was like, it's not quite the gray paladin. It's something a little different. So I looked it up, and I was like, oh, my God, we have got to talk about this on air. It's, it's, just, it's just flat out awesome. So without going too far into the explanation, the, the basic idea is that this is a paladin who has found more of a connection with their allies and their companions than their deity oh, over the course of the of adventuring wow. and all this of these awesome. difficult difficult things that they've fallen into and so uh, it's it's sort of instead of becoming a full ex paladin you go this route and uh, and you you take these different things so it starts at early levels but you get for example locate ally 
Once per day, a vindictive bastard can cast loc- <laughs> locate creature as a spell-like ability hmm. with a caster level equal to her paladin level, but she can do so only to target an ally whom she has spent at least 24 hours in close proximity with in the last week. It replaces detect evil. So it's oh. basically like detect an ally. Wow. If an ally is like lost or something like How, that. What's the range of that? <clears throat> um... Locate creature, uh, I'm not sure. I uh, out in two seconds. It's oh, a, it's, it's a, a fourth level spell. Oh, wow. Um, That's crazy. Uh, 30 feet, it looks like. Yeah. Uh, yeah, 30 feet. No, it no, works like locate feet. object. 30 feet. Yeah, I think you must have been in, within 30 feet at some point. Oh, I see. Of okay. the, uh, but it works like locate object. Oh, wow. Object. So like anywhere. So yeah, it could real, be a really, really real, far real, distance. Okay. So, so that's pretty cool. All right. Then add in the smite ability. Instead becomes smiting anyone that has done one hit point of damage to any ally. Oh wow! You can immediately smite, and then you do. It has the same sort of effects of uh, of a smite evil. Uh, there's also a uh, an ability called Faded Grace. Do you remember me telling you that Sir Will gets his charisma bonus added to all of his saves? Well, you lose that with the Vindictive Bastard, but you get Faded Grace. You can choose. You lose all your charisma bonus to all your saves, but you immediately, as a bonus feat, get Great Fortitude, Iron Will, or Lightning Reflexes. Mm. Pick one. So you get one save that you get a free boost to, but the other ones go away. That it's a cool. faded grace. You know what I mean? It's a perfect uh, example. But yeah, it, it goes on like this. All of the, He gets a free teamwork feat at third level. You know what I mean? Like It keeps going on. It's all about uh, uh, utilizing your companions. At fifth level, where Sir Will, as a divine defender, got the ability to buff his armor mm. to make it plus one enhancement and everything. That's, fifth level is a big level for uh, paladins. The Vindictive Bastard forms a close bond with her companions. Mm. It's called Gang Up. As a move action, she can grant half her Vindictive Smite bonus to a single target to all allies within 30 feet oh, who can wow. see and hear her. Holy crap. So you're passing on your charisma bonus to attack and damage half of it to all of your allies wow. against one attacker. So in a boss fight, that's amazing. Yeah, that's nuts. Gang up. It sounds like you'd be an awesome mafia boss with this archetype. <laughs> like you would be like in charge of a bunch of low level thugs. Yeah, yeah. And just uh it's kinda like Bardic. Uh, yeah, yeah throw Bardic, the leadership uh, feet in there and things could I get mean, crazy. It, it you sounds... know what the, you know is if you've watched Godless, this is Jeff Daniels' character. Uh no, I haven't. Alright, well that went over like a turn the punch ball. Well uh, now I'll watch it. <laughs> Well, he's like a preacher, but, well, he, wait. but he's 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 evil. Is it anything like his character in Tron? It's yes. I'll just say yes. <laughs> Was he in Tron? Will that make? Will, I'll just say yes. Are will that make Tron? you watch it? No, that's Jeff Bridges. Oh, then I don't know. I'm interested then. Okay. <laughs> Guys, let's not burn any Jeff Bridges. Oh, <laughs> nailed it. Nailed it. Uh, I'm just going to skip forward. Now. There are Bo, some. Bo, Bo. <laughs> 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 he gets a couple uh, Inquisitor-like abilities at later mm-hmm. levels. Still talking know, about this? Well, hold on, hold on. This is, I, this I, is, yeah, seriously, I'm like, wow. This was supposed to be super cool. <laughs> I think it's pretty fucking cool, man. <laughs> Play a paladin, maybe. Oh, no, I'm, I'm interested. Please, right. tell Please me go on. Going. Listen to this. If you get to a 20th level uh, vindictive bastard, if somebody kills if somebody kills one of your allies or knocks you unconscious and you come back, 
the next time you hit them with an attack, you can channel the disintegrate spell through your weapon. Holy shit. <laughs> that is pretty cool. Oh, my God. All right, that's no cool. no joke. That's no cool. joke. Anyway, I think it's a much, much cooler idea than the Great Paladin. Thank you, Rob Grimash. I'm sorry about Matthew. He's yeah. a hateful, hateful little person. <laughs> He's a vindictive bastard. He's a vindictive bastard. He was bastard. just illustrating the point. That's I don't think Rob would have appreciated what happened to his great idea. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, all right, let's move on to our question of the week from Russell. Russell, who we do not know where he's from. Oh, where's Russell from? Chattanooga, Tennessee. No, he's from the Maldives. The Maldives. <laughs> we settled on that earlier. Definitely, That's fine. Definitely That's the Maldives. He's from yeah. the Maldives. He says, I have a question about hit rolls and player AC. It seems like Monster's two hit bonuses are becoming crazy high in the campaign. Yep. I've heard Troy throw out plus 14 to some Monsters, and it seems sometimes as if he's just rolling to hit for funsies, because only a natural one would create a miss. Uh, I wonder... God, I'm so depressed. I know in some other games there is loot where characters make big gains in AC and rings, helms, etc., but it doesn't seem like you guys are making big gains in the loot that you're finding. It seems like a lot of stuff does not get equipped, but uh, it just gets tossed into the bag of holding. So basically he's asking... Is the Pathfinder system intending for monsters to become easier and easier to hit you over time? Do the mechanics not really allow for player characters AC to keep pace with that to hit? It's a great question. It is a great question. Yeah. It's something I've mm. thought about before, and I wonder if you guys have any, have any comments uh, on it just off the top of your head. I thought about it too, and I don't know. I have no <laughs> idea. I think, it's, I think it's the one area of the game where... Um, power leveling is rewarded like it's the one area where you really have to read up on gear and think about how to cope with that or else otherwise just get used to having a character that is exponentially squishier than you were used to having at earlier levels you know having things like what sir will has on his shield sophia yeah, Sophia. Sophia, yeah. the what is it? The light fortification. Light fortification. Property. Yeah. Like finding those little, um, for lack of a better word, buffs. That properties. Are, you yeah. know, properties that are going to protect you against you know twenty five percent chance to negate a crit. Uh, you know, having there are feats out there that are every time you are. Uh, critical threat, you have a chance to stop it. You know, like, no one ever wants to invest in those feats, but like those are the things that keep you alive. Uh, because th- that th- what uh, what Russell from the Maldives is saying uh, <laughs> is totally true. Plus twenty one Jump Street. You know, plus twenty one was the boss. This is now going to be business as usual when you're fighting frost giants. You're going to get the plus, you know, uh, twenty plus uh, to attack, and you guys don't have a forty AC. You know, so it's I yeah, think but investing I, in feats and in, in in special properties that are just that are like there to keep you alive. The diehard feat is a great uh, example as well. Things that are just geared to keeping you alive when you fall because you are going to fall. Do you think that that monsters have a an unnaturally high AC? Compared to player characters, so yeah, the two hits obviously they they go up really high, but doesn't it seem like they they also get really high ACs too? Not even just bosses. I don't think so. No. No, you think no. they're pretty much in line with PC. I, I ACs? think you know Nestor is a great example, but most of you guys, Baron, you guys can hit any of these monsters, especially giants. If Baron's shooting a touch AC, I, I, even without that, I think that Della and and Sir Will and Nestor always have a sixty percent chance to hit the monsters. Yeah. Yeah. That's pretty good. 
you know, but when they hit, especially in Giant Slayer, they do massive damage. I th- um, yeah, and I think that Grant's right about m- maximizing on gear and stuff like that is very important. And then you also have to maximize feats and class builds to be able to wear the right gear and to utilize it correctly. Yeah. And that's why I think why you... I'm not going to say need. I mean, the same way you need a cleric, right? Like, in terms of strategy, battlefield strategy, it helps to have at least one person in a party that is built to have high AC. But you do have to build toward that. That doesn't just happen because you found a few items. You really have to build that way to be able to defend against plus 22, plus 23 to hit as we get into later levels here. Well, you, you and I got into this this philosophical debate a couple times, Joe, where we would find armor somewhere along the way that would give me a better armor bonus but would cut on you know the armor check penalty would be higher or with the arcane spell mm-hmm. failure chance would be higher and you're like you should take this armor you should take this armor and then i would look at it and i was like well it's only going to give me like you know an additional plus two or three more in my ac but these giants are rolling you know they're there's giants are still going to hit you every time anyway so i was like is it but is it so isn't it more worth it to just like not worry about the AC and focus on stuff like acrobatics where you can avoid those attacks of opportunities mm-hmm. or, you know, being able to, to cast a spell to get you out of a crit or something. Yeah, or, or to just stay away from them entirely, like like utilize spells. Well, no, I mean just <laughs> utilize spells to escape, you know. Uh, right. Windy escape and things like that are neat things that you can utilize when you get into melee combat and you don't mean to be. Well, this is why you guys as a group moving forward need to really talk to each other about what you want to focus on. The giants are doing it. The giants are gearing up to destroy you. They're the the higher level ones are planning like, all right, how are we got to do this. Where they're running drills and stuff. So you guys should do the same. Obviously, mechanically, when you level up, you put your energy into this. You put your this into that. You guys, as a group, should be discussing this like every night. Veriza should be practicing this. Yeah, this this is exactly this. what the characters would be talking about every time they like have a moment to themselves. Like they yeah. would, they would be talking of strategy like yeah. that. Yeah, yeah. You know? What is your uh, total defense AC, Sir Will? Uh, right now it's thirty one against anything larger than me. Yeah, I think I'm going to be about around thirty or so after I at gear to- up with total it. defense. Yeah, no, not with total defense, just normally against giants. Walking around at thirty. Oh, yeah, because you have defensive training. Yeah. And and well, that's the other thing is that's going to go up if everything goes well in Yanderhof. Right. That number will go up. Oh no, and I'm so, saying I'm saying after Yanderhof. Oh, oh, after Yanderhof will be thirty three at least uh, with total defense. So the the. The other idea here and the thing that Russell brought up is we've just been throwing everything in the bag of holding. That's because this has been an exceedingly long sandbox without anywhere to go sell anything and trade uh, items in. And now that we found the forge and are able to resize armor to fit, uh, Will's AC didn't go up for the entire book because there was no armor that could fit him. Oh, that reminds me. Last thought to go back to you where you are right as Sir Will. Assertion about bringing evil people in. Baron would have been much more uncomfortable had Nestor been brought into anything besides what was essentially a war zone. Like, he really couldn't have hurt as many innocent people where we are. But anyway, back to AC. Yeah, but no, but that's a good point. Like, we were going into a death zone, and we were there for a very yep. long time, and it was perfectly fine to have Nestor there for that. Yeah, yeah. Uh, that, yeah that makes a lot of sense. But yeah, now that we can go in and trade these things in, I think you're going to see people's ACs going up. Mm-hmm. Even, the, even the casters. Mm-hmm. Right, Matthew? Um, yeah. Uh, <laughs> I mean, I, I know Matthew is targeting a particular item in Yander Huff he wants to get, and 
If you want to hear more about that, you can listen to our deleted scenes. Ooh. It's coming out on the Patreon tomorrow. If you want to check that out for our $5 and up subscribers. It's a good one. It's over a half hour Long, of content yeah. where we just talk out the money that we have, the items that we're looking at, and how we want to try to increase our AC. If you want to hear Troy honestly talking to his cats the way he does oh, when yeah. no one's listening... <laughs> Please listen to this episode. That alone is worth the five dollars. Yep, the way that the we talk about spreadsheets. <laughs> it's a real bargain. That's everything. If you guys want to hear uh, all the things that we've had to cut out of former episodes of Troy baby talking to his cats, it's raw. Tune in to just uh, to deleted scenes tomorrow on the Patreon. Check it out. Apparently, the Maldives. I just looked it up. Is at the highest divorce rate in the world for the last several decades. <laughs> I just want to say, Russell, and everyone else in your home country, just try to love each other. <laughs> but, Skid, they're going to be underwater in like five years due to global uh, that's true. warming. Do whatever, so you do whatever they want. Do whatever you want. Do whatever you know what? If it doesn't work out, more time to play Pathfinder. It's true. <laughs> all right. Living, living proof of that. <laughs> oh, all right, Russell. Thank you so much for the question, and uh, good luck with that global warming problem. And uh, as always, you guys can write us at glasscannonpodcast at gmail.com with your questions for the FOD. Thank you to everybody for getting together for this cannon fodder. Yeah. And we, the next time we record, we will all be in the brand new space. That's a wrap for my apartment. This yes. is it. Say goodbye to Say Troy's goodbye. apartment. Goodbye, Troy's apartment. <laughs> good, good night, Troy's wife. <laughs> good night, I Troy's will wife. remember you. <laughs> Play that sad music when everyone dies. <laughs>